Hey everybody, this is Pat Francis from the Rock Solid Podcast, and you're listening to P.F. Wilson's Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm P.F. This is my tape recorder. Coming up, it's Chris Bliss. You know what, I would actually sort of rather have the people who like a bully than have the people that are going, well, yeah, he's terrible, but my stocks are up. I interviewed Chris for an appearance he was supposed to have in Minneapolis a few weeks ago, and then at the last minute it got switched, so he's going to be there uh, later in the spring, and we'll have details on that. In the outro, we have a song of the week coming up from Owl City, speaking of Minneapolis, and also we have a dumb bit coming up here. I tried hard to come up with a brand new dumb bit for this week, but it's been a hectic week. You'll probably get a repeat dumb bit next week, because next week is even crazier, but uh, this bit was from a couple of weeks ago. It's still timely, because people are still talking about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the class of inductees for this year. So uh, in case you missed it a couple weeks ago, here it is again. Lots of political news to report on this week. We're not going to discuss any of that. I am just worn out. I would advise you to pay attention to it, go to reliable news sources, and certainly follow it. But we're going to have some fun talking about the rock and roll. Yes, the other big story this week is the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, announced its 2020 class of inductees. And as always, lots and lots of hurt feelings, lots of people getting upset. And uh, I will, before I proceed, I will tell you, of course, full disclosure, you may or may not know, uh, Fangirl now works at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But I'm pretty sure I would have done this bit uh, anyway, because uh, this comes up every year. Uh, These same things always come up about uh, the Rock Hall. And so I'm pretty sure I would have done this bit anyway. I'm not me telling any tales out of school here. Uh, I'm going to approach this just as I normally would out of fidelity to music history and out of fidelity to Greater Cleveland because uh, the Rock Hall is one of our you know, greatest assets up there. And so uh, the, the people that made it in, in case you haven't heard already, uh, the Doobie Brothers, Whitney Houston, Depeche Mode. People say that it's Depeche Mode. T-Rex, the Notorious B.I.G., Nine Inch Nails, kind of a surprise. Irving Azoff and John Landau, the last two getting in uh, in the non-performance categories. So, uh, boy, a lot to unpack here, as they say. Uh, first of all, if you want a rundown on this, be looking out. The Rock Solid Podcast always does a show which features tunes from all of these acts, so that'll be coming up, I'm sure, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I will let you know when I know what to, when to look for that. So anyway, um, so again, a lot of hurt feelings, a lot of people are surprised, but here's the thing that that I would say is who cares? I, I, the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, it used to be called the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Museum, and the and museum part to me is the important part. As I was thinking, same thing with like the Baseball Hall of Fame, which I, unfortunately I've never been to. Uh, oddly, I've never been to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, I do need to go there, but my interest in those places has nothing to do with the guys necessarily that, and it is guys in football and baseball. I'm almost positive it's almost all guys. Um, maybe some of the ladies from the uh, Ladies Baseball League are in there in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Don't know, but anyway. Uh, not the people that are inducted in, as the Hall of Fame, storied as those careers are and the great accomplishments the they had, all great. But I'm more interested in the museum aspect of all of those facilities, you know, the, the, the bits and pieces, the archives, the artifacts, you will, from baseball, football, and in the case of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, uh, music. And so when I go to the Hall of Fame in Cleveland, I, I don't really care who's actually in the actual Hall of Fame. I do always 
suggest they put OMD in there, of you know, kind of as a joke because they're never going to get in. Um, and I always look at, you know, to make sure that the Beach Boys are being represented and things like that. But I, I'm much more interested in the actual museum aspect of it. I could spend just, and I'm going to do that one of these days. My family always likes to run through it and just kind of look at things here and there. Uh, you know, I like to go through and read and look at everything. Another criticism uh, that came out on NPR this week was, uh, no shock, it's a lot of old white dudes. And the problem is a lot of, the reason that happens is because or, uh, once you get in, you have voting power, so it kind of exacerbates the problem. Old white dudes get in, vote for more old white dudes. But again, that's just the Hall of Fame aspect of it. If you go through the museum, anecdotally speaking, I think it's a lot more diverse than the actual Hall of Fame inductees, if I'm remembering this correctly. So it's a there was a, the, my big beef is that uh, the Beach Boys are confined to a 10 by 10 space uh, in the one section where the Rolling Stones and, and the Elvis and the Beatles, rightfully so, have these huge whole rooms to themselves. I'm like, I think the Beach Boys should get a little bigger space. That's just me. So anyway, uh, as the museum aspect, you know, it's uh, it's it's much more enjoyable for me. The Hall of Fame thing, I I don't care if the Beach Boys are in the Hall of Fame. I'd rather just see the actual stuff. One thing, for example, I like to go see. I'm not even a huge B-52s fan, but currently on display they have the this little. Uh, uh, keyboard bass that the B-52s used on their first two albums. It's just one octave. It looks like it's in a suitcase. And you look at this thing and you go, holy cow, that's what they was making the bass sound on Rock Lobster and Planet Clara. It just, it's just amazing to be able to see something like that. And again, as far as who's actually in the actual Hall of Fame, I don't know, it's just it's pretty meaningless to me. But we are going to go to a, a big concert. And uh, my big question, of course, now is, uh, are all five, what I would say, core members of Depeche Mode going to be there? Uh, in other words, Vince Clark, Dave Gahan, Martin Gore, uh, Andrew Fletcher, and wait, who am I forgetting? Uh, wait, Clark, Gahan, Gore, Fletch, Alan Wilder. And uh, the, the debate is Vince Clark founded the group, left after one album. Uh, they were a three-piece for the next album. Then they were a four-piece again. Alan Wilder joined, and they were for the next uh, five or six albums. And then he left, and then I think that's probably much where the story should end. But anyway, um, that's my big thing. If, if all five of those guys go up there, man, I am totally going to see that concert. Just to see those five guys play together. That would be fascinating. So anyway, the other big complaint I saw on Twitter uh, is that, um, and they had this debate on Rock Solid, speaking of, is that uh, there's no rock, who's, who's left to be inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? There aren't any rock bands anymore. Uh, and people were upset that Notorious B.I.G. got in, and Whitney Houston got in, and, and certainly Depeche Mode. I mean, they picked up a guitar in their time, certainly, but I think people are pretty upset. I think the only uh, choices people aren't upset with are the Doobie Brothers and T-Rex, you know? But, uh, you know... At, and uh, one guy on Twitter said, oh, Soundgarden got snubbed. They, they don't put r- r- rock and roll in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You know what I'm going to do now, folks, right? I'm going to direct you to one William Joel who can explain this better than I can. And, uh, and, and it'll be on to the interview. It's the next phase, new wave, dance craze. Anyways, it's still rock and roll to me. Everybody's talking about the new sound. Funny, but it's still rock and roll to me. Chris Bliss is a stand-up comedian, juggler, and TED talker, and he's always good to talk to about politics and just comedy in general. Here now is our interview with Chris Bliss.
I'm sorry I screwed that up. I had you totally on Midwestern time. Oh, yeah, people think I'm Central time. But no, I'm on Eastern time here in Cincinnati. We, uh, I know you are. Yeah, it used to be... Uh, I figured it out later. It, it, yeah, it used to be weird because uh, Indiana used to not observe daylight savings time or something like that, and my buddy moved there uh, to take a job for a company we were both working for, and he said, well, the one advantage is, is that all my shows are on an hour earlier now, but then uh, they switched that, and they don't, uh, I guess they don't follow daylight savings, or they do, I can't remember, but. Yeah, they're trying to get rid of it globally. Yeah, I was, some guy was on about that on um, some radio show I was listening to. I can't remember which one. And he said there shouldn't be any time zones at all. It's just it's whatever time is, whatever time it is, wherever you are. And if that means you, it's light at you know 3 a.m. in New York City, that's when you're going to work, that's it. I, just, I couldn't wrap my head around that, though. I, I still need time zones. Well, I think they found out that it, you know, the, so, it wasn't more productive and it was a pain in the ass. Yeah. Are you on speakerphone? It's kind of hard to hear you. Um, hey, I'm just going through something. I'm finishing packing. Oh, okay. I see. <laughs> That's cool. Sorry um, about that. Hold on. Let me take out. There you go. Much better. Yeah. Uh, they were. I know it's a productivity thing and and all that kind of stuff. And uh, uh, Pardo was uh, is always saying they should just make daylight savings time standard time in North America. And I think that is the solution because thinking about it. The times that it is dark and the times that it is light when my daughter goes to school, we're of the opinion of like, yeah, we could live with daylight, what we now call daylight time, just being standard time. I like the compromise. Yeah, because I like – It's like, okay, we'll go with just one time, but it's got to be the one we – Yeah. Well, it's – yeah, it's, but it's uh, – I like the fact that it's light later. I don't mind it being dark early. And I heard that you know, the thing with that was always like, oh, well, the farmers – uh, like it, and then I read somewhere the farmers don't give a crap. They don't. They just uh, they just get when the sun comes up. The sun comes up, and that's when they start working. And the sun goes down. The sun goes down, and you know, as far as the animals go, whatever, and it's fine. So and who cares if the farmers like it? Yeah. So anyway. Yeah, them. So what's new with you, man? Um, I've just been running around a lot. Looking forward to uh, uh to acne. Because uh, I've been doing a lot of work where it's not really appropriate for me to say what I honestly feel. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what have you been doing? A lot of corporate stuff. It's not appropriate, you know. You know, corporate and some uh, cruise work and it's, oh, okay. Uh, there you, you go. Know, I, I don't mind it. I mean, but uh, uh, no such problems at Acme. I've set a goal for my week at Acme. Uh, I don't think the country is polarized enough. No. So. No, it's no. not. So my goal is to, uh, for every audience to be so polarized by the end of my show that uh, they won't even be willing to talk to themselves. <laughs> and then a, a great goal that is. Yeah, I always hear this jive that, oh, the country is polarized once and there's this little little sliver down the middle. No, there's not. The middle is massive, and it's a bunch of people that don't know what's going on. And I don't blame them. I mean, I follow the news or read the news every day, and I still have a hard time keeping up. So I, I get it. You know, people are busy with stuff, but the, this nonsense that this is little sliver down the middle you have to appeal to is the exact opposite. There's this huge, wide path of the middle that you have to appeal to. Well, my analysis is that the some of the people you can fool all of the time are now the swing boat. Yeah, <laughs> that's a fact. So. But I, I think people like a bully. That's what it boils down to. 
they like the fact this guy calls people names and and is inappropriate with women and you know they publicly they say oh that's that's terrible but you know when they're standing next to him they're like please don't beat me up <laughs> i don't want to be next you know what i would actually sort of rather have the people who like a bully than have the people that are going oh well, yeah he's terrible but my stocks are up <laughs> yeah you know, it's like, hey, wait well, a minute. You know? And that's another thing. That's, that remind, I was going to do that as, a, as what, one of the dumb bits on my show, and I need to write that down. Uh, remember back in, must have been, might have been 20, what was before, when did we, did we elect a lot? 16. So it must have been 2014 or 2015. So the stock market was way up and, you know, under Obama. And people are like, oh, this is, and places like NPR and liberal places are saying, well, the thing is, is the stock market is always at an all-time high, and it gets easier and easier for it to get to an all-time high just because of the way it's, you know, the way it's structured. And this is where liberal news sources pointing out that Obama really can't take credit for this because it's not that big a deal, and it's less and less of a big deal as it happens more and more. No one's saying that now. No one's going like, oh, by the way, yes, the stock market is up, but it's even easier than it was when Obama was president and even easier than when the Bushes were in power because that's just the way the stock market works. Nobody's pointing that out. Well, there's a lot of free money out there. You know, trillion dollars a year in federal debt is some of the free money, low interest rate. Zero interest rate money is more of the money. There's, there's a lot of money floating around. So. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. A, well, it's a, an uninformed uh, – I'm afraid we have another uninformed uh, electorate uh, electing a president. Which is well, uh, well, and again, <laughs> you reminded me of something else that I've been working on. Yes, which is about just. And please don't tell me you did it because your gut told you to do it. You know what your <laughs> gut is supposed to process. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> if you're using your gut for thinking, then what have you got for brains? <laughs> Excellent point. So, yeah. So, and again, I, if pe- if people like the bully. If you if you think that you should be you should be calling people names and sitting on the john and tweeting 142 times in 24 hours, then then I then I thank you and and have fun in the voting booth. But you know, I, I would just implore people to just look into it just a little bit further this time around. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think people are pretty dug in. So I guess I mean, I always hear people are yeah, upset with as, them. As far as the economy, though, here's my take, and I don't. And I am not an economist by the wildest stretch of anything. But when this, uh, when the uh, financial crisis happened, and everybody was going, "This isn't cyclical. This is structural." And I was reading about structural financial collapses, and they bump along until about ten years, and then they take hold. So I think, in part, what has happened is that the global economy took ten years, taken ten years to begin to heal from the financial crisis. Yeah. And the United States is on the crest of that wave. So, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, unemployment is down and anecdotally it does seem that way. But also anecdotally, I, I have eight jobs. I don't know. I no longer have a full time job because they had to, they were limited my position at the place I was working. But I'm still helping them out uh, on an ad hoc kind of basis as they need me. But um, I'm looking for jobs and a lot of them will put what the salary is. And it's like they, they don't pay very well, which is weird. Yeah, so I was saying that the economy is top-heavy, and people don't seem to recognize that, and they think, well, I'm doing okay. I'm doing a little bit better than I was, uh, but really the people at, at the top, it seems, are doing really, really, really much, much better. Uh, and again, but it would, I guess people, you know, it, it raises, I guess it raises all boats, but if your boat's still sitting in the desert, it's not doing you much good. David uh, Brooks said that people are much more... Uh 
concerned about um, social inequality than income inequality. That would make sense. If it, yeah. You know, I, I, I may not have that exactly right, what he was pointing out, but I was thinking of what he, what he was going. He said, most people aren't going low. That it's about uh, income inequality. They just go on how they feel status-wise. So, and that's why they resent elites. Yeah. Uh, there's a, I'm sitting in a, a classroom at one of my jobs. I'm about to go teach the young people podcasting. But uh, I'm in an empty classroom here doing this, and there's a, a poster of Malcolm X behind me. I can't quite see it from the angle, but I read it last week, and it said something about the if you're not careful, the newspapers will have you getting – I'm paraphrasing – getting mad at the people being oppressed and cheering for the oppressors. <laughs> and uh, true in the 1960s, just as true today. Boy, you are a bleeding hard liberal, aren't you? I am. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, I, I, I have to tell you about uh, when the movie Malcolm X came out, I was working at a comedy club out the south side of Chicago in a suburb, all right, uh, where a lot of police officers retire. So it's a, a very white suburb, yeah. all right? So uh, the movie comes out. I want to go see it, you know, so I so I look for uh, an afternoon show. I just on a map, what's the closest thing? I drive in. I buy a ticket. Uh, I'm 25 minutes early, so... I'm the first guy in the theater. I sit in the middle seat of the middle row. And uh, the theater fills up. And it's it's all fathers and sons, all African-American, all fathers and sons. Uh, I am the only white person in the theater. And as the lights are going down, somebody a few rows behind me goes, well, wouldn't you know it? The white man got the best seat in the theater. And everybody start, burst out laughing. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um so uh, let's get to some comedy here while we have uh, still time in the interview here. What are you talking about on stage these days? You mentioned you were going to, you know, let, let loose at Acme finally because you've been kind of been constrained by previous gigs. So what's what's the set looking like? Uh, well, I, I'm going to uh, – obviously a few hot topic issues will be in there. There's stuff that I've always talked a lot about, uh, uh, immigration, uh, the amazing thing to me about immigration is, you know, we will make them stay in camps on the other side of the wall. We'll, we'll take their children from them and put them in cages, right? The one thing we won't do is outfuck these people. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yep. It's, and it's like, there's, there's, so, but it's funny to me how hard, how far we will go to not have to do that. We are losing that battle for sure. Well, and you know my wife's an immigrant, so you know that's what we should do. You know, get there in half the time. Where's she? she that joke. Where? Where's she from? She's from Brazil. Ah, Brazil. Very good. Uh, so, um, where they're having their own uh, political crises? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, boy, all over uh, South America uh, and uh, and Central America. Um, that's, I was, uh, I maybe mentioned this to you before. I mentioned to other people before, but you know, they're talking about these, these caravans coming up from Central America. Uh, <laughs> my, my, my point is if you can walk from Central America to San Diego, they ought to let you in and throw my ass or someone else's ass out. <laughs> cause, cause talk about walking the walk and talking the talk, man. If you've got the dedication to do that, we need you in this country. <laughs> We think there's going to walk yeah, in. Yeah, people do. People do forget what an object it was that started this country. Yeah, you know, I mean, if, criminals and involuntary 
servants, aka slaves. I would love to move to like England, you know, sometime. And that's where we have the same language, sort of, because uh, we're divided by a common language, of course. But even that would freak me out. I mean, people come here sometimes not knowing the language, not knowing it very well. It's a completely different culture. Man, I mean, if you have the fortitude to do that, I think you need to be here. <laughs> Well, that's the, I mean, that's the, you know, that's the, uh, um, starry eyed, uh, you know, city on the hill vision. Yeah, true. Yep. And the other vision is America first. So, yeah. You know, pull the ladder up behind um, you. <laughs> not a great set of choices. No. Um, to that end, I don't um, know how, I don't know how the policy should be done. I know it's been done very, very poorly. I know it was done to benefit, uh, business more than anybody else. Yeah. If there are 11 million illegal immigrants inside the United States, it's because business invited them here, not me. Yeah, exactly. You go. I always tell. I did people, have a terrible joke about. I don't know. He's talking about national emergency. I'll tell you, a national emergency. I can't afford to get my lawn cut. That's a national emergency. <laughs> I like cheap strawberries. <laughs> exactly. I don't like paying five dollars a quart for strawberries. Um, so to, to that end, uh, well, we should we should get an update on the uh, Bill of Rights. Project. Um, give me just a second. I got uh, maybe in somebody's way with my bags now. So, are you in Miami? I'm in Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale. Okay, there you go. Big, there's some sort of large game going on. I understand tomorrow. Yeah. Yes. I don't know. Do you like those kind of events? Uh, I, you I mean, know, would you take yourself to one of those kind of events? If my team was, even though I've kind of soured on the NFL, uh in recent years, if the Browns were in it and I could go affordably, yes, I would. Other than that, no. Or like if the Indians went to the World Series again, uh, and I Wait could a go. Minute. If who was in it? What did you say? If who was in it? The Browns. My Boy, team. talk about a, a, a way to not have to commit. Exactly. Also, I'll never have to. Uh, it's funny. My, hey, if the Browns are in it, I'll, 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 I'll go. See, my brother had a big Super Bowl party of the year. The Packers won uh, for the first time since the 60s. And uh, I was like, you know, I told my wife, you know, we, if the Browns go to the Super Bowl, we're definitely having a party like this. My, she's got all upset. She goes, we, we can't have a big party. And I said, this is never going to happen, you realize. <laughs> this is a completely <laughs> theoretical discussion. It's unlikely to happen. Exactly. That's true. So, um, so yeah. And I was going to do a dumb bit on it this week about um, – but I decided to do something on the, the president instead. But uh, I, I just hate how it's like the pregame show should be a half hour covering each team season. Fine. Maybe another half hour covering the matchup, how they match up. So an hour and a half pregame show. The game, I guess, have some big halftime entertainment. They've always done that. They had a guy with jetpacks at the first one. So I guess there's going to be a bit of a spectacle. So maybe 45-minute halftime, get back on the field, wrap it up. <laughs> this does not need to be an all-day event. You clearly do not understand capitalism. I know, and it just gets worse and worse. It's like you can't, you can't stuff the genie back in the bottle, so... But um, anyway, uh, we were t- the Bill of Rights Project. Uh, you said it was kind of uh, one of these hurry up and wait kind of things. Uh, what's the latest? Well, Oklahoma is the is the project that uh, the farthest along. We're just about to post the next level of design drawings on it. We have a great site, great location, uh, a lot of local support, and uh, and the capital. It's on the capital, which is in the middle of a. You know, I'm going to get the amount of years long. Uh, restoration but i mean years long four five six i don't know it's going to wrap up uh at the end of next year and that's our target to uh be ready when it wraps up 
so that as the new capital uh, goes through its new grand restored opening, uh, we're part of that process. Cool. Any other states on the horizon for this? You know, I'm not sure. Um, I never thought I would say this because I always thought that there was a timeless thing about this project, but there's timeless. You can be timeless and still be out of time. It, uh, yeah. This is not the war that people want to fight. Right? It's very weird. You ever done projects, P, uh, uh, PF, and you uh, and you can just feel this thing where you just go, "Oop, that just turned over." This is not. Yeah. This is not going where I want it to go. I'm going to wrap up what I'm doing. Yeah. And uh, it's harder work than it ought to be. True. You know? But the fact and that you even just got had something infuriating happened in Texas. That's uh, that's wait. That's a long story. Yeah. But, I mean. You know, the only thing I ever got out of this was respect. <laughs> well, the fact that you got one of them sorted is, you know, because really, if you think about it, you know, if, even if it's just in the one state, it, it is there. And it's, you know. Well, I think, I mean, Oklahoma's pretty far along and uh, we're starting to get uh, in front of the right eyeballs. So, you know, and having the next level of design is also a good thing to have. No, no, no. So, so I, I. I, I, I'm not. I'm. I'm not pessimistic, and I'm not optimistic. I think Oklahoma should be moving quicker than it is. I don't get it. It's this beautiful project at this beautiful new capital. You know, it's like where's where's the people who, that see the value add here? This is Oklahoma, so it really is a beautiful capital. I love that. So, uh, we'll look at that. But I but I think it's just that I, I also know from Arizona that this is not something that's in most foundation parameters, you know. Everyone's, I mean, they're gathering money for a specific mission. They can't, they only have so much that's, uh, uh, that it's discretionary. And so it's a, it's a funny project that way. The people who love it really love it, but there's no organized constituency. Mm. It's not like veterans, you know? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. A lot, a lot of veterans, veterans memorials. Oh, yeah. I, as I, there well should be, but my whole I thought here is, well, we should also honor what they fought uh, to preserve. I was just going to say, yeah. You know? So, so where, where are you headed from Miami? I am uh, I am uh, getting on a cruise ship here. Oh, okay. Oh, so you're going, okay, you're heading heading out to sea then. All right. Cool. Heading out to sea yeah, on the yeah. Lovely Sky Princess. Uh, there you go. All right, cool. And, uh, and the shows are usually, uh, and, and it's fun. I mean, I, it, it's, it's a different kind of fun, but it's also a different kind of challenge for you guys. I have to look at stuff like, all right, how can I not say this? How yeah, can yeah. I, I just forget this. All right, how do, would I replace that with over here? Yeah, well, it's people fun. say that the boats are better, at least. I mean, there's because... some good jokes. Here's a good joke for you. Okay. You know, I like being married, but I don't really like weddings. Part of it's all the time I've lived in Los Angeles. You know, you have these beautiful people in these storybook weddings. But here's the thing. The guys had rhinoplasty and chin augmentation. The girls been nipped and tucked and Botoxed. You know, they were attracted to one another because of their looks, and their kids won't look like either one of them. Yeah. It's a good one. Um, well, that's, yeah, I, I've heard the boats are better now, that they take, you know, comedy more seriously. They, they, they have a better understanding of it, I guess, because since now that, you know, Stand has been a thing people are aware of for a lot longer time now. It's not like it's not like an afterthought. Yeah, that's true. There's a lot more people who are. Yeah, it, that that is very true. So, fair enough. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Well, I'm glad we got this knocked out. Um, I will. Uh, of course, this will be in print and online in city pages uh, the week you're up there in Minneapolis. 
uh, as always. All right, are you going to punch this up and make it sound interesting? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I only get 150, right. 200 words, so, and we talked for 22 minutes, so, and I'll, I'll edit yeah, out the I gaps. I think you got it right. I think I'm just, just, I think I just got there. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, and I'll, of course, cut out the gaps, of course, for the podcast, but yeah, that'll drop sometime in the next couple of weeks as well. I've been trying to stockpiling a bunch of these in case I do find permanent work. Uh, but yeah, uh, again, as always, hope we get to see you in Cincinnati sometime soon. And, um, yeah, not, yeah, you know, Acme's, uh, uh, people want to see me in the club. They got to come to Minneapolis in March. Wow. That's brutal. Really? That's a dedicated. Exactly. You're yeah. talking about how the, how hard the immigrants work to get here. <laughs> My fans come to Minneapolis. That's hard go. work. That's a trek. Maybe March. you have to walk there. That's the exactly right in the snow my fan if my fan finds that out yeah yeah <laughs> all right man we'll have fun on the boat and uh we'll talk to you again soon hey thanks and i'm sorry about the time oh, no, change. no problem all right thanks chris all right bye-bye all right, Thanks again to Chris Bliss for being on the show. I was just checking here on my internet machine. In fact, I think Chris even mentioned it in the interview that he was going to be there in March, and I was kind of puzzled. I'm like, wait a second, did you get the dates wrong, dude? No. Uh, even at the time of the recording, he had already decided that that had been pushed back. He is now there March 17th through the 21st uh, at Acme Comedy Club in Minneapolis, beautiful Minneapolis, Minnesota. If you haven't been, you should go. It's uh, it's it's quite lovely. Uh, go in the warmer weather, though, I reckon. So anyway, uh, let me see. What are we up to now? Are we up to the song of the week? I reckon we're up to the song of the week. All of the business has been taken care of. So song of the week comes to us uh, via Fangirl. Uh, she messaged me the other day and said, hey, did you know that uh, Adam from Owl City, essentially Owl City, he's the sole member, did a cover of 99 Red Balloons. And I guess this is like five or six years ago. And I'm like, no, I didn't know that. And he's done other covers too. Did Garden Party, which was on SoundCloud for a while, and then he took it down. And he did uh, uh, Johnny Cash song, um, Jackson. Uh, you can find that on YouTube somewhere as well. And uh, But he's never been released. Uh, I don't think you can find them on Spotify or uh, certainly not Apple, uh, Apple Music or Apple whatever. I guess Apple Music is what it's called now, right? It's not iTunes anymore. Anyway, so um, I looked around to see uh, one of the YouTube videos for this. It's still on YouTube, the 99 Red Balloons one. Uh, it takes you to a French website where you can download it, where my computer immediately said, do not go to this website. Uh, you're going to get some kind of a virus, sir. So I immediately backed up and uh, did not get it. But a fella named Rap Sanchez did a remix of this, and it's available, I think, in Bandcamp and from his website. And it's free. just want you to uh, sign up for his newsletter. And it's pretty cool. The version Adam did is just him and a piano which is cool. Uh, Rap Sanchez added some keyboards to it and made it sound very Owl City-esque. So uh, good job to him. And uh, I'm going to do something unusual for a song of the week. I'm technically not allowed to play a whole song unless I have the permission of the artist. Like sometimes when we occasionally have a guest on the show, I'll ask them, I'll say, hey, can we play your new song and can we play the whole thing? And they'll be like, absolutely, you can. But we don't have permission uh, <laughs> to play this one full one. Actually, the whole thing is, the original is only, I think, a minute long, minute and a half long. And here's the thing with the, uh, with the fair use that, uh, I was subscribed to my friend Pat Francis's theory. And that is, you're, you're only supposed to allow it under fair use. I think allowed to play 30 seconds of it if you're doing a critical discussion, which we always do on Song of the Week. I always tell you why I think it should be the Song of the Week. There's your critical discussion part. You're only supposed to play about 30 seconds. Uh, Pat Francis's argument is, well, hey, look, if, uh, Amazon and iTunes can play you 90 second previews of a song, well, then why can't we? So there you have it. And and also, uh, to that end, since you can get this free from uh, Rap Sanchez's website, and uh, so it, it actually gave me a free download of it, I don't really see the, a problem with me playing the whole thing. 
And so to the, uh, now to that end, I would also say that uh, the Rap Sanchez remix uh, features a little bit of extra production by me at the very end. Uh, it did not sound right ending the way that it did, so I took the audio from YouTube of just Adam and the piano and finished it with that because I think that sounds a lot better. So see what you think. Anyway, that leads us in a roundabout way, after so much talking and a lot of critical discussion, I might add, uh, to the uh, couple years old cover of 99 Red Balloons by Owl City. Not sure when we're going to get new music from Owl City, by the way. We, we should be about doing you know, I did a couple soundtrack songs uh, a couple years ago, but uh, we're still waiting on new Owl City music. And so here you go. This is Owl City covering Nina's 99 Red Balloons, remixed by Rap Sanchez, additional production by PF. It's our song of the week on PF Tape Recorder. So long and thanks for listening.
If I could find a souvenir just to prove the world was here, here it is, a red balloon. I think. 